I want to thank you guys all for coming, like they said. And my name is Susan Chapel. I know most of you know me, but some of you don't. And uh, I've been a Christian since I was about 15. Hey, Rhonda, I didn't see you. <laughs> and uh, I've gone to the Greater Alton Church for almost the last 30 years. And I've done a few different things. But my husband is an elder, so that makes me an elder's wife. And uh, I'm not a speaker. And I'm just going to tell you some things that I've been learning about fire, which has been a really good study. This is my niece, Bree. This is her first lady's retreat. She's going to help me anyway. So I just want to tell you a little something before I get started. One day I was over at John and Emily's house waiting for the oven repairman to come. And I was sitting in the recliner watching Randy. And I turned and looked in the kitchen and I saw this sign on the wall. And it's a very familiar verse that we all know, but it kind of just struck me. And I wanted to bring it here just as a reminder to us. But you know the verse, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with you. And I just thought this was a good reminder because that's one of the goals for our retreat is for us to have God's presence here with us, for us to encounter God. And there's definitely two or three of us here in his name. And so he is here with us. And, you know, just think about that. You know, God is in this. He's here with us right now. So I just wanted to bring that up. And also, some of you know my friend Robbie in India. He got married recently. And he's, he's always talking to me, which is kind of sweet. Him and his wife called me a few days after they got married. And anyway, he knew that we were having a retreat. So he wanted to send a greeting. And we'll go ahead and play this. Hi, Susan. This is just Narayana. We are constantly praying for you and your ministry. And it is great, blessed, loving, greedy. Your nation is blessed. And our prayer always with you all. And my husband has told me there is ladies retreat going on. And we are just keep praying for you all. Especially this meeting. Thank you. Yes, Susan, this is our family. And me and my wife are very happy to send our loving greetings to you all. Be blessed, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Okay, there was a video to go with it, but they didn't show Yeah, that's okay. I'll post it on the page, but anyway. He's all excited because he got married, you know. But he wanted us to know that he's praying for us. And she seems like a really sweet lady, too. But So, obviously, we're talking about catching fire. And I'm sure some of you younger people might have thought of Hunger Games, Katniss. You know, you see, she's obviously in a revolution that was starting. And there's fire all around her. And, of course, we're not going to talk about that. But there are some similarities because we're in a spiritual battle ourselves. And... Uh, the reason we decided to talk about catching fire is obviously because we saw it as a need. The reason we asked everyone to read Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire was to help rekindle our fire and our passion for God. And so, you know, you think about the last few years, there's been a lot of changes go on around us. You know, division and conflict and sickness and death and changes. All of those things take a toll on our passion. And, uh, you know, besides that, just normal life does. You know, we live in a pretty crazy world right now, don't we? So passion kind of comes and goes. And so we wanted to spend this weekend focusing on getting our passion back and getting on fire for God. Okay. And when I got ready for my class, 
What I did was I just wanted to sit down with my Bible and see what God had to say about catching fire. So I looked up a bunch, and the brochure's right. There's many, many verses that talk about fire in the Bible. You know, talks about God's fire, talks about the refining fire, the Holy Spirit's fire. Jesus said he wished that there was a fire. And it's in there a lot of times. And there's actually a really good study. I got a lot out of it. And I had to kind of streamline all of it. And I'm going to have Sheila and the girls, if they would hand up. There's a lot of verses that go with this. And it kind of, you can get bogged down, I know, going through all these verses. But this way you guys will have them right in front of you. And I feel like I had to use most of them to get the picture across of what's going on. So the first thing I want to talk about is the fire of God. Okay. Like I said, in the Bible, it talks about uh, fire represents God's presence. It also is used to talk about judgment and purification. And, you know, in the Old Testament, there's a lot of foreshadowing that goes on. You know, we can see how God is by the way he dealt with the Israelites. You know, how he cared for them, his power, the things that he did in the Old Testament. We can learn how he's going to be for us. So we're going to look at the Old Testament and look at God's fire just a little bit here. In Deuteronomy 4, 10 through 12. This is God talking to Moses. And he said, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. Okay. It also said right in there that the people were motivated to worship God by seeing his presence. And I don't know about you guys, but just stop and think for a second. What if we went outside right now and we looked out there and there was this huge consuming fire out there that went up to the heavens? I think that would get my attention. And then what if a voice spoke to you out of that fire? I think I would have fell down too, but it wouldn't be, I would have probably passed out, not from praising God. So, and then in another place close in there, it says that the fear of God kept them from sinning. You know, and I think that's kind of an interesting point there. Okay, in Exodus 24:17, to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Again, he's saying God's a consuming fire on top of this mountain. Okay, Exodus 25:8. Um, this is again is God talking, and He told Moses, "Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them." Okay, so a lot of us know this, but actually this was a good reminder for me, all of this Old Testament tabernacle stuff. You know, when you go through Leviticus, it gets a little crazy, doesn't it, with all the, make this little thing three cubits long and wrap some gold around it, and you know. But anyway, the tabernacle was a thing that traveled with the people, and God dwelled in the tabernacle so that he could be with his people. Which shows you again what God's like. He wants to be close to us. And so while they were, you know, after they got out of bondage in Egypt, they were traveling around in the wilderness and they took the tabernacle with them, which later became the temple. And, you know, God dwelled in the temple. Okay, we're going to talk about this later, but I'm just kind of painting the picture here. And then in Exodus 40, verse 38, they said, The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle. During the day and at night, fire glowed inside the cloud so that the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all their journeys. So again, it's just saying God's presence, you know, there was a fire that showed that he was there. Okay, then you go on in the story. 
And God had told them to build an altar in front of the tabernacle so that they could sacrifice for their sins. In Leviticus 9.24, it says, A fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. So God lit this fire in front of the tabernacle, and that was where they sacrificed. So, you know, again, God's fire just came out. I just, you know, it makes me think of the gas grill, you know, when you first light it and it goes poof like that. So, and, and again, it says the people shouted for joy because, you know, God was showing them that I'm going to make atonement for your sins. And they fell face down to worship him. Okay, Leviticus 6.13. He told them the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Okay, so God started the fire on the altar where they offered sacrifices for their sins and he told the priest it's your job to keep that fire going. And this fire on the altar represented God's power and it reminded the Israelites that salvation is from God and that's where they made atonement for their sins. Okay, and later, this could be a whole other lesson. Nadab and Abihu, I'm sure you guys have heard about them. That was Aaron's sons, and actually Nadab and Abihu, they were involved in a lot of things with Moses, and they were serving God. And, you know, there's a story about them offering strange fire, and then they were struck dead. And I can remember I being younger thinking, wow, you know, did a little something wrong, God just zapped them dead. <laughs> but the thing about it was, he was, you know, the reason he did is because God only accepted a fire that he started. He started that fire and told them to keep it going. And they did something else. And like I said, there's a whole other lesson here uh, to, you know, but just to touch on it, you know, we can be like that too when we lose our gratitude or we lose our first love or we let our fire go out. That's us, you know, offering God a strange fire. Or if we have the wrong motive, you know, because it's possible to have the wrong fire instead of it being a fire that God started. Okay, Second Samuel 22, 7 through 18. This is a really long verse, but I think it's important. And I love this verse. And just think about this being you when we read this. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the heavens shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rolled from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of breath from his nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. Wow. You just think about that. That shows how passionate and how powerful God is. And then last verse about God's fire, Hebrews 12, 29, again, it says our God is a consuming fire. So I just want you to think about that for a minute. Try to soak that in. This is our God. All those verses, that is the God that made us, that we serve. And, 
you know, he is a very powerful, passionate, consuming fire. Okay, so from that, I want to move on to my second point. What does it mean for me to be on fire for God? And like I said, you know, usually you think about, oh, you're excited and, you know, loud and all that. But I just wanted to kind of look at what the Bible had to say about that. And really, the simple definition of me being on fire for God is me having the presence of God in my heart. That's really what it means. Okay, and you remember how God's presence was in the tabernacle. Okay, we're talking about the foreshadowing there. Let's, let's read Acts 2, 1 through 4. Okay, this is in the New Testament, obviously, after Jesus died and all the believers were together. And it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now this fire that they're talking about here was God showing that his presence will now be in us. You know, you know, First Corinthians 6, it talks about we're the temple of God. And Peter talks about we're the royal priesthood. And in Acts 2, it talks about when we're baptized, we receive the Holy Spirit. And that's when, you know, God comes to dwell in us. And, you know, we're the temple that God dwells in. Okay, so... What I just want you to try and picture, and actually, you know, this has helped me a lot over the last few weeks. Since the day we fasted and we've been praying about God catching fire, I have felt like, you know, more passion for God. But I have also felt, you know, lots of things going around trying to put my fire out. Um, But this has helped me a lot just thinking about this. Think about the God we just talked about, the consuming fire, the one that's coming down from heaven. And that is the God that's in our hearts. And that, you know, like I said, I've known this a lot over my life. But when I think about it being that God in my heart, it make, made a huge difference for me. Okay. Um, you know, and I just want to ask you guys, what would it look like if we all had that same fire inside of us? And I want to look at Romans 12:11. I put it on your paper there because... I just thought it was good looking at, I have five different versions or translations there because they all say it a little bit differently and I think it gives a a big picture of what he's actually talking about there. Okay, out of the Common English Bible, it says, Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the Spirit as you serve the Lord. In the Easy Read Version, As you serve the Lord, work hard and don't be lazy. Be excited about serving Him. The NIV, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. The message, don't burn out, keep yourselves fueled and aflame. You know, he's commanding us to keep that fire going like he told the priests in the Old Testament. The NLT, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Okay, I'm sure a lot of you know this, that the word enthusiasm actually means God in us. And I guess a late Latin translation means to be possessed by God, to be inspired. And the Greek means to have God within us. So, again, that's that's the definition of being on fire for God, of having God in us. And, you know, the good thing about this is it's not dependent on anything. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are right now. It doesn't matter if you're sick or healthy. Um, it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. You know, all of us can have this right now. 
And if you don't, if you're not on fire for God right now, the good news is you could change that today, you know. And I don't want this lesson. I don't. Guilt is good if it motivates us to change, but I don't like having lessons where you go away feeling, oh, I'm a sorry spiritual loser. That's not what this is about. This is trying to tell you here's something good that God wants you to have. Okay, and let me ask you a question. Can you see the fire in someone's heart? I mean, can I look at Sheila and I see a little glowing? Like, what is it? Iron Man's got that little glow. You can't really see it, can you? But you will see signs, you know, if... If there's a fire, there's going to be signs. There's going to be smoke, or you might see a fire truck, you know, some blazes. And it's kind of like this news clip that I want to show you right now. Okay, that was just a little something to throw in there. But, you know, Lord Jesus, there's a fire. She knew because she thought somebody was barbecuing. And I just thought that would be funny. That's just a little funny thing to show. But the truth is, if there's a fire, there's going to be signs, right? People are going to tell that there's a fire inside of you, that God is in you. And so what I wanted to look at was, you know, in the Bible... What did they do? The people that had God's fire inside of them, what did they do? And I'm just going to quickly scan through some of these. There's more, but in Matthew 22, it says they loved the Lord our God with all their passion, and they loved others as well as they loved themselves. In Matthew 25, it says they fed the hungry, clothed the needy, visited the sick, and the imprisoned. In Acts 2, they were devoted to God's word, to being together, to prayer. They took care of each other. They praised God. Acts 17, they checked out God's word daily with great eagerness. In Acts 4, it says they spoke the word of God boldly and shared the good news wherever they went. In Acts 12, they earnestly prayed together. In Romans 8, 5, they had their mindset on what the Holy Spirit wanted. In Hebrews 11, they lived by faith. And their weaknesses were turned to strength because of their faith in God. That sounds good. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, they were ministers of reconciliation, imploring people to be reconciled to God. And, you know, it says in 2 Corinthians 9.2 that people could tell. You know, it says that their enthusiasm stirred most of them to action. You know, people, you know, those are the signs. And, you know, it's just something for us to think about. Are we doing these things? Some of these, they're not so hard for me to do. Some of them, they, you know, it is hard for me to do. And I have to have God's presence in me to do them. Okay. So just to wrap up that point, does anyone get warm when they're next to you? Does anything or anyone catch on fire because they're close to you? Okay, the third thing I want to talk about real quick is I have a real enemy that wants to put out my fire. Have you ever thought about why God commanded us to love Him with all our passion and to not let our fire go out? You know, I think it's because He knows what we're like. You know, He knows that we're humans and they're weak. He also knows that we have an opposition. And 
I'm sure all you guys can think of different times when your passion was at a low. I mean, I can think of a few times when I really felt like a good wind could just blow me right off the side of the cliff, you know. And, and it's something, life does have lots of up and downs, and but it's something we have to take care of our fire ourselves, like it said. And I just want to talk a minute about the devil that, that wants to put out our fire. And there's two verses there, real quick. Ephesians 6.10, it says... Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. And that's where it is, schemes, you know. He knows us and he, you know, he does what he can for us personally to put out our fire. And First Peter 5 talks about him being a roaring lion, you know, prowling around. Okay, uh, I got this book. It was after War Room came out. Priscilla Shire, she had a book called Fervent. And I know Diane got it for Christmas. She got it. And it was a really good book. And she started off the book talking about the spiritual battle. And then after that, each chapter started with the words, If I were your enemy, I would dot, dot, dot. And I just wanted us to think about that for a minute. I got a few things here I'm just going to run through that might apply. If I were your enemy... I would stir up division and criticism and hurt so you would lose heart, passion, and faith that God can use me. If I were your enemy, I would get you to believe that you can't make a difference so you would quit trying. If I were your enemy, I would get you distracted with good things like your kids, your interests, so you don't even notice the spiritual battle going on around you. If I were your enemy, I would use sickness and health problems to get you depressed, discouraged, and frustrated. If I were your enemy, I would get you to believe that you're doing enough so you're satisfied and with not being passionate. If I were your enemy, I'd get you to believe ideas and things that aren't from God so that you miss God's will and become more like the world. So really, this is, again, this is something that has helped me a lot too. You know, when you're tempted to have an attitude or be bothered with somebody or to get discouraged or whatever... You know, I think about this. If I were your enemy, you know, and I know what's going on. If I know what's behind it, I see the spiritual battle. So it's something, you know, again, for you to go and think about. What is your enemy of your faith doing to put out your fire? It's different for all of us, obviously. Okay, the fourth thing, what do I do to catch on fire? Now, I can't go too deep into this because that's actually Kim's lesson. And I don't want to, you know... Not everybody's going to get to go to Kim's lesson, so I just want to touch on it real quick. But the first thing we need to do is call out to God. Ask God to start a fire in us. Second thing we need to do is repent. Like Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire talked about, first step to any spiritual awakening is demolition. We cannot make headway in seeking God without first tearing down the accumulated junk in our souls. Rationalizing has to cease. We have to start seeing the sinful debris we hadn't noticed before. So he's talking about that, how we have to make a change. And the last thing, of course, is move closer to God and his fire. You know, and there'll be more later about us catching on fire. But Okay, and the conclusion, just to wrap this up, you know, why should I be on fire? I think, number one, it's because God commands us to be on fire. And I think the reason he did that is because that's what he wants for us. That's how he designed us. That's the, the way he designed our lives to be lived. For us to be on fire, to have his presence in us. And I think, secondly, because of what God's done for me, out of gratitude, I should be on fire. And you remember how the Israelites shouted for joy and they fell face down? It's because they were grateful. You think about it, they just saw the altar light on fire and he'd forgiven their sins. 
And I don't know, some of you can think back. I can remember when I was younger, first became a Christian. I would smile all the way home from church because you're just so happy and excited. And I was grateful. And I think, like we said, when our fire gets put out, when our passion starts to wane, we're losing gratitude. We're forgetting what God's done for us. And I think the third reason why we should be on fire is because of the amazing life we will have. I can think about in this last month, as I've become more on fire, um, you know, I've just felt a greater peace, a greater joy, just, you know, feeling like I'm fulfilling God's purpose for my life. It's almost a euphoric feeling, really. I mean, you're, you are excited, like enthusiastic. God in you does make you excited. And, you know, and I think that's what God wants for us. That's what I would like for all of you, too. It also affects other people's lives. Like we said, people don't catch on fire if they're around you. And as we're wrapping this up, of course, we just want you to think about, are you on fire? And are you going to be like these women up here? You're going to be like, see, there's Sheila. She's on fire. There's Miranda. Lois. Don Herbst. And Tricia, and there's Morgan. I thought Morgan. I don't know where Morgan's here, but I I knew Morgan would get a kick out of this, so I wanted to put her on there. So anyway, but you know, like these women are on fire, and that's what God wants for us too. And like I said, this is not about guilt. This is good news and exciting. We can be on fire for God like that. And, I mean, it's a great life to live. You guys all know when you've been excited and on fire for God, it, it is awesome. So, so that's all I have for you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take a short break, and then Debbie's going to come up and talk to us about Refiner's Fire. So when it gets close to, I think Chelsea's going to sing a song, because we all know we're trained when somebody's singing, that means come sit down. So... Anyway, let's go ahead and pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for us all being here today. Thank you for this study. And uh, I'm just grateful for the things I've gotten to learn, God. And I pray that we won't forget these things, God, about what a consuming fire you are, passionate, powerful God, that you want to be close to us and that you, you know, you want to be in our hearts, God. And uh, I pray, Father, that we will be grateful enough to choose to do the things that you have planned for us, God. And I pray for all of us here right now, God. Um, I pray for anybody who doesn't have a relationship with you, God, right now, that they would today, God, that you would break their hearts and, and help them to want that, God, to get right with you. And they can talk to anybody here, and we would be glad to help them with that, God. I pray for the rest of us, young and old Christians, God, if we let our fire dim down. I pray that you will start a new fire in all of us, God. And again, Father, just thank you so much for all that you've done for us. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.